Welcome back to the Moon and Sun Podcast. I'm Nick. I'm Shay, and this is our spooky sode. And okay, the spooky sode. We both researched Mothman without even <laughs> knowing we did. Yeah, we were like playing zombies together, and I was like, I got my next, I got the next spooky sode research. And Nick was like, Me too. And I was like, Oh yeah. And he was like, Yeah. Have you ever heard of the Mothman? And I was like, You're fucking shitting me. I recorded. I wrote. I researched the Mothman too. So then Nick agreed to, no, Nick decided that he would just do a new research topic I yes. offered, but he was like, I'll just do it. And I was like, all right, I'm because, not going to say no. Yeah, I had one already in mind. So if there are things I leave out that he has that I don't on Mothman, he can always jump in and tell me them. I, I actually have two. One's very short. Oh, okay. That's totally good. And then I have a reasonable length one. Okay. I will go first because the last spooky sode you went first because you read your dead children thing and (laughs) your dead children book. The alphabet book? Yeah. Yeah. How they died? Yeah. Yeah. Your dead children book and your grim story. Which I got two more books of his that I forgot to bring. That's okay. We have more spooky sodes yet to come. Because I know. I had an idea for the next spooky sode, but then I forgot what it was because I forgot to write it down. So... Mothman. Mothman. On November 12th, 1966, five men digging a grave near Clendenden, 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 West Virginia, (laughs) where they saw a man flying, a man-like figure fly low from the trees over their heads. This is often known as the first sighting of the Mothman. First of all, why was there five? I guess it was the 60s. That would be why there's five men. So they're hand digging. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this was the first reported sighting of what would be come to no- be known as the Mothman, an elusive creature that remains as mysterious as it was on the night that a few frightened witnesses first laid eyes on it. That's exactly what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Um, Just three days after the gravedigger's initial report, on November 15th, 1966, in nearby Point Pleasant, West Virginia, two couples, Roger and Linda Scarberry and Stephen and Melinda (laughs) Millette, noticed a white-winged creature about six or seven feet tall standing in front of the car that they were all sitting in. Eyewitnesses Roger Scarberry and Steve Millette told the local paper, the Point Pleasant Register, that the beast had bright red eyes about six inches apart a wingspan of 10 feet, and the apparent urge to avoid the bright headlights of the car. (laughs) Just so we're all aware, Nick and I wrote the exact same thing. (coughs) My wording's just a little different. I left out names. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if I put this in here elsewhere, but one person described it as like his eyes were like where the shoulders are, Mm -hmm. which would be more than six inches apart. Yeah. um, according to the witnesses, this creature was able to fly at incredible speeds, perhaps as fast as 100 miles per hour. All of them agreed that the beast was a clumsy runner on the ground. Um, they knew this only because it allegedly chased their vehicles to the outskirts of town in the air, then scuttled into a nearby field and disappeared. Knowing how absurd this must have sounded to a local paper in a small Appalachian community in the 1960s, Scarberry insisted that the apparition couldn't have been a figment of his imagination. Uh, He assured the paper, Piff and I seen it while by myself. I wouldn't have said anything, but there were four of us who saw it. That was an exact quote. Mm -hmm. 
Um, at first, at first, reporters were skeptical. <coughs> In the papers, they called the Mothman a bird and a mysterious creature. However, they did print Millette's description. It was like a man with wings. But more and more sightings were reported in the Point Pleasant area over the next year as the legend of Mothman took shape. The Gettysburg Times reported eight additional sightings in the short span of three days after the first claims. These in this included two volunteer firefighters who said they saw a very large bird with large red eyes. Newell Partridge, a resident of Salem, West Virginia, claimed that he saw strange patterns appearing on his television screen one night, followed by a mysterious sound just outside of his home. Shining a flashlight toward the direction of the noise, Partridge supposedly witnessed two red eyes resembling bicycle reflectors looking back at him. This anecdote remains a popular one in the Mothman mythos, especially since it allegedly led to the disappearance of Partridge's dog. To this day, some believe that the fearsome beast took his beloved pet. I cannot. Somewhere I found the name of the dog, but I forgot what the name of the dog was, and I didn't write it down. Oh, no. I know. <coughs> Dr. Robert L. Smith, an associate professor, Nicholas, of wildlife biology at West Virginia like word University. Word for word. <laughs> and in the same order, too. Nice. Dismissed the notion that a flying monster was stalking out the town. Staking out the town. Um, instead, he attributed the sightings to a sandhill crane, which stands almost as tall as the average man and has bright red flesh around its eyes. First of all, I have seen sandhill cranes. I used to live in the sandhills. The lake that was near where I used to live, the cranes used to come every year during their migration pattern. And mm -hmm. the way that they are describing this thing could not be a sandhill crane. No. First of all, man-like in, in, in um, words are not working because I didn't write this down. Um, it insinuates like thighs and like man-sized mm -hmm. legs. Sandhill cranes have very skinny legs. And their eyes are nowhere near six inches apart. They're not six inches apart. Their eyes aren't red. It's the flesh around their eyes, which would be, be impossible to see in the light of a car. Yes. A headlight of a car in the middle of the night. I don't even think that they're nocturnal birds. And you, they're mostly in cornfields. Yeah, or on the edge of lakes and shit. Yes. Like, they don't They're know. They're not just randomly in the middle of the road. Yes. Um, this explanation supposedly was compelling, given the number of early reports that described it as bird-like. I'm thinking of the Mothman as like the creature from Jeepers Creepers. Yeah, a little more the what? Mason one. Oh my god, it was Mothman. <laughs> I know, right? And then I'm like, no, it's Jeepers Creepers. It's totally Jeepers Creepers. Um, some people hypothesize that this crane was deformed especially if it resided in the TNT area, a name that locals gave to a series of nearby bunkers that were once used for manufacturing munitions during World War II. It has been suggested that these bunkers have leaked toxic materials into the neighboring wildlife preserve, possibly affecting nearby animals. Sure. Mm -hmm. Another story suggests that the creation of the Mothman was the work of one very committed prankster who went so far as to hide in the abandoned World War II munitions plant where some of the sightings occurred. Oh, good Lord. This theory posits that when the national press ran with the Mothman story, the people who lived in Point Pleasant began to panic. Locals became convinced that they were seeing the Mothman in birds and other large animals, even long after the prankster had given up on the joke. 
Um, it is worth noting that the Mothman legend bears a resemblance to several demon archetypes found amongst those who have experienced sleep paralysis, which may suggest that the visions are nothing more than the embodiment of typical human fears pulled from the depths of the unconscious and grafted into real-life animal sightings when people panic. <sighs> and then there are the paranormal explanations, uh, mores of complicated theories that weave together aliens, UFOs, and precognition. These theories point paint the Mothman as either a harbinger of doom or, more sinisterly, its cause, a legend that has its roots in the tragedy that befell Point Pleasant shortly after the Mothman arrived. On December 15, 1967, just over a year after the first Mothman sighting, traffic was bad on the Silver Bridge, originally built in 1928 to connect Point Pleasant, West Virginia, to Gallipolis, Ohio. The bridge was packed with cars. This placed a strain on the bridge, which had been built in a time when cars were lighter. The Model T had weighed just 1,500 pounds, a modest sum compared to the 1967 average for a car, 4,000 pounds. The bridge's engineers hadn't been particularly imaginative, nor had they been especially cautious while creating the structure. The bridge's design featured very little redundancy, meaning that if one part failed, there was almost nothing in place to prevent other parts from failing as well. On that cold December day, that was exactly what happened. Without warning, a single eye bar near the top of the bridge on the Ohio side cracked. The chain snapped and the bridge, its careful equilibrium disturbed, fell to pieces, plunging cars and pedestrians into the icy water of the Ohio River below. 46 people died, either by drowning or by being crushed by the wreckage. I didn't write it down, but I read through so many stories, and it was terrible. There was one man who had to leave his to to escape himself had to leave his wife and his six month old in the car, mm-hmm. and they their bodies were recovered weeks later. Um, following the Mothman sightings, the bridge collapse was the second terrible and bizarre thing to put Point Pleasant on the map in a year's time. So it didn't take long for some to connect the two. In 1975, author John Keel conflated the Mothman sightings and the bridge disaster while creating his book, The Mothman Prophecies. He also incorporated UFO activity, his story took hold, and the town soon became iconic among conspiracy theorists, UFOologists, and fans of the paranormal. Uh, Point Pleasant's fame as the home of the Mothman legend hasn't waned in the decades since. In 2002, a movie based on Keel's book rekindled interest in the Mothman. In the Mothman Prophecies film, Richard Greer plays a reporter whose wife seems to have witnessed the Mothman shortly before her death. He finds himself inexplicably in Point Pleasant several years later with no clue how he got there, and he's not the only one having trouble explaining himself. As several local experienced premonitions of distant disasters, there's talk of visitations from a mysterious figure called the Mothman. The film, a supernatural horror and mystery, offers no conclusions, communicating instead an eerie feeling of disjointedness that was both panned and praised by critics. Most notably, the film popularized the image of the Mothman as the harbinger of death. For myself, Mothman made me realize that I hate really fast talking. Why? Because he picks up the phone and all he hears is, no, 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 no. (laughs) No. No. If that ever happened, I would scream and throw my phone like I did that time when, with the fake dead snake video. No, that is not okay. Or the time with Mason City and I, uh, silent 
Silent Dead scared you. Silent dead Hill. Silence. Dead Silence. Silent Hill. Jesus dead Silence. Because you forgot about the clown scene. The stupid clown ventriloquist dummy. And Nick took a picture of me that's still... Ooh, it might not exist because you posted it. So it might have been deleted from the Facebook universe. Uh, But once it's on there, it's... It's somewhere on the internet. You might have put it on yours, too. I might have. Well, I tagged myself in it, so it might still exist somewhere deep yep. in mine from 2012. Yep. Yep. Um, the idea that visitations from the Mothman. Oh, also, there is now. <laughs> there is a Mothman statue mm-hmm. at the University of Ohio, I think, is where it's at. I think it's in Ohio, or it might be in West Virginia. I don't remember. One of the universities around there. Do you have that? Uh, Maybe I did. It's on the it's a historical museum it? at Point Pleasant today in the form okay. of of a historical museum and also in the form of a 12-foot stone massive ice. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's at the Point Pleasant Historical Museum. Okay. Okay. Um, but someone posted a picture of it mm-hmm. on like their sorority page and they were like, who would leave beans for the Mothman? Well, someone found it like their family member posted it and was like, I don't understand this. Someone who listens to Waba and when they talked about the Mothman, um, because it's Waba, they call all of their listeners Wabeans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so someone had put a can of baked beans there. <laughs> And they were like, all right, which one of the beans did it? (laughs) It was so funny. It was so funny. (coughs) That is so funny. Okay. The idea that visitations from the Mothman predicted disaster led some believers to make ties to the Chernobyl disaster of 1986, the Mexican swine flu outbreak of 2009, and the 2011 nuclear disaster in Fukushima, Japan. That is probably way wrong. Uh, that's what i why would have said it too okay uh in the days leading up to the chernobyl disaster several of the workers in the control room of the nuclear power plant in northern ukraine claimed to have seen the creature that is known as the blackbird of chernobyl side note i really want to go to chernobyl because you can't too for a limited amount of time Uh uh-huh i want to go so it's normally a day thing oh we ain't the same for night no if it gets night and something happens to our vehicle, I'm walking. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm getting out of that no, because of the movie. Because yeah. the movie. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. We're not going at night. Bye bye. I'm leaving. I don't care. No, definitely not. Uh, I want to see all the sunflowers. They planted a fuck ton of sunflowers to suck, suck up the radiation. radiation. Yeah. Um, those unlucky enough to see the creature were said to be plagued with terrifying dreams and threatening calls. Still, others believe the Blackbird of Chernobyl was a form of the creature known as Mothman, whose presence only meant one thing. That a catastrophic event would soon follow. Um, I already read that one. Last month marked 33 years since this Chernobyl tragedy, and it seems the further time moves away from the event, the stories, folklore, and legends continue to captivate and grow. Side note, that sentence was taken from an article, so that is not accurate time placement. Uh, Sydney archaeologist Robert Maxwell is the only archaeologist who has ever worked at Chernobyl, completing two field excursions at the exclusive zone in 2010 and 2012. He is passionate about the place in both a historical and archaeological sense. There is little Maxwell doesn't know about Chernobyl in matters of both the physical and supernatural world. 
Maxwell told news.com.au that the legend of the Blackbird of Chernobyl was something he heard about when he was in the exclusive zone. The legend states that in the days leading up to April 26, 1986, that a supernatural creature was sighted in the sky over Chernobyl by many of the men in the control room. They also claimed to have seen this terrifying creature just before the explosion, Maxwell said. Now it's become one of those fables that's difficult to track because it relies on the accounts of people who died due to radioactive contamination. As for the sightings of the actual Mothman, they've mostly declined since the late 60s, but every so often a sighting emerges. 2006, a handful of people in La Crosse, Wisconsin, reported sighting a similar creature, which they dubbed the Man-Bat. The Man-Bat. The Man-Bat. The creature, long with a sharp wingspan and yellow eyes, reportedly flew over the car of a man and his son, both of whom became sick to their stomachs afterward. In 2016, a man who just moved to Point Pleasant spotted a mysterious creature jumping from tree to tree. He claimed to local reporters that he was unaware of the local legend of Mothman until he allegedly spotted the beast himself. Oh, yep, there it is. Just off Main Street in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, there is a 12-foot tall (laughs) stainless steel statue that is chrome with bat wings and human legs and an incredibly chiseled abdomen. Mm -hmm. It's very very chiseled. Like, I'm like, "Mm, hello, Mothman. Right, right. Mm. It's like, hi, Daddy. mm, Yeah. The spot it stands used to be called Gun Park, but the name was changed to honor the statue and the figure it represents. They now call it Mothman Park. Uh, the original plan developed by the town in 2001 after the release of the movie version of the John Keel book, The Mothman Prophecies, brought national attention to what was once strictly a local legend called for the statue of the hometown monster hero to be towering 20 feet tall. The Mothman bulbous red eyes were supposed to light up at night. But funding ran short, and the statue's football-sized eyes were left dull and glassy, which is probably good, because them glowing eyes in the middle of the night would be creepy. Oh, let's start a GoFundMe for it, <laughs> so they can eyes. put <laughs> glowing, glowing eyes in Mothman. Statue. Uh, <coughs> across the street is the Mothman Museum and gift shop, which shows copies of the Mothman prophecies on DVD, as well as touristy shit, <laughs> like Mothman okay. t-shirts and keychains. So, are, are we planning to go? I kind of want to go. Oh, for sure. And while we're there, we can head up to Salem. Yep, that's what I was just thinking, too. <laughs> if we go there, we can. We'll that, that can be just a detour. Trip. Stop yeah. there, then to go to Salem. Yeah. Uh, some believe him to be a harbinger of death. I think he was just trying his best to warn off disaster from coming our way, especially with the UFO sighting. So, I got information from prairieghost.com, wikipedia, news.com.au, and all that's interesting.com and outsideonline.com. Okay, so the two spooky things I have, because one was short, not much on it. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that until after... I started researching, yeah, and then I couldn't find any more, so it's like one and a half pages. That happened when I did Damiana. Mm-hmm. I was like, I really want to talk about Damiana, but then all I could find on Damiana was what was in the book, the basics, and then that before there was sexting, there was a sex tea article. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love you. After this episode, we will take you to the O-U-T-S-I-D-E. Okay, so the first one I'm going to talk about, the short one, it's called The Ghost Train. Oh, yes. 
A small town in Canada located in the province of Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Yep. I I can't. Saskatchewan. It's too much. It's okay. That place. Too much going on for me. That place. This rural burg part itself on the... This... This rural part, it's, what the fuck was I trying to say there? No idea. This rural burrs put itself. It put itself on the paranormal map a long time ago by virtue of an eerie for phenomenon the lights of a ghostly train that rolled down invisible tracks nearly every night mm-hmm. as legend goes about a century ago or maybe further back a conductor hopped off a train ahead hopped off a train having partaken of strong drink the tipsy fellow stumbled and fell across the tracks The poor guy's head became separated from the rest of the body as as the train moved forward. Okay. Folks began reporting seeing strange lights on the tracks coming up from the south. At first, they thought it could be the lights of an approaching locomotive. It soon appeared evident that the train would never arrive. When those who witnessed the site began walking down the tracks to see if the train had stopped, the lights disappeared. There were two lights, a brighter top light, typical of a locomotive, and a smaller red light below it. The drunken conductor had been waving a lantern as the as he staggered along the tracks prior to being decapitated. Now, he continued to swing the lantern from side to side in the futile search for his head. (laughs) At some point, the train line was abandoned and the tracks were torn up. Most believed that the ghost train phenomenon would cease. Guess what? It has continued to this day. Sure enough, has. Some visitors to the area drove out of the site where the railroad line had passed through. At just about the midnight witching hour, they spotted a bright light typical of a train approaching and a smaller red light just below it. They drove toward it down a nasty dirt road. They thought that they were getting nearer when the lights suddenly vanished. Moments later, the lights reappeared behind them, scared the crap out of the poor folks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's basically all I could find. Um, I don't remember where I heard about the legend of the ghost train, but there has been many instances... instances in my life where something has happened where there was a weird noise where there was a strange light somewhere and I was like (gasps) ghost train (laughs) 
<laughs> that is that's the first thing popped in. Yeah. Ghost trade. Ghost trade. <laughs> yeah. That has happened. So I got my resources from Superstitions by D.R. Mick Elroy, Wikipedia, and MikeSirota.com. Nice. So that's that small one. Woo. Now for the I just had one. to do it because I already researched it. Yeah. Like, as well. So the next one is about Biloco. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I'm saying it right because I spent hours trying to say it. And I even have it spelled out phonetically. We need to start actually spelling things out phonetically. Yes. So then I don't have instances like today when I listened to how to say names and then forgot them. And then just seeing one is Eloco. E-L-O-K-O. The Biloco are part of the mythology of the Mango people in the Democratic Republican of Congo. The creatures are also in tune with anthropology observations that folklores tend to mimic the creature's environment, just as in the case of the Central African natives in the Part of the rainforest in the Democratic Republican of Congo. An Eloko is believed to be the lingering spirit of ancestors. The spirits are Ren- the spirits are vengeful with scores to the spirits are vengeful in the world of the living in different African myths certain reasons can keep that spirit at an ans- of an ancestor out of the world in which it is supposed to be for instance if one was murdered or died in a terrible accident or even not properly buried their spirit could linger There are also cases in which spirits believe they are certain things to complete in the land of the living to which they would have to stick around to help a relative or friend do. (coughs) The Biloko are bloodthirsty and blood-red fae. These gnome-sized hunters stalk the wilderness wilderness depths of southern warm jungles. No. What? Gnome-sized? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, how I pictured when I was researching it. Okay, you know the mummy. Uh huh. Do you know the little monkeys? Mm-hmm. That's how I picture these. <laughs> nice. Honestly. While they're about the size of a halfling, a biloco could never be mistaken for one. While similar in frame, a biloco skin is dark red in color and covered in patches of moss and jungle foliage instead of hair. (laughs) A biloco's eyes glow bright red with an unsettling manic glee. And its mouth can stretch into a 
hungry grin far larger than its face should allow. Do you know what it made me think of? What? On The Incredibles, when Jack-Jack turns into the little red monster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's cuter. That is cuter. A biloco can even detach its jaw to eat like a snake and (laughs) and can even swallow a human whole over the course of several hours. Negatory big chicken. Its acidic saliva and powerful jaws capable of grinding flesh and bone into a compact slurry. Biloco normally stand between 3 and 4 feet and weigh between 40 and 50 pounds. Although after eating, they can weigh much more. The outline of their last meal can often still be seen through their swollen belly. Oh, it makes me think when Mindy was pregnant with Catherine, and you could see her little face. Oh, shit. Mindy was so skinny that whenever Catherine moved, Uh you could see whatever body part was up against her stomach. So when she would move with her face pointed out, you could see her face. It was the creepiest thing in the world. I thought Mindy and an alien in there. Biloco dwell primarily in the deeper parts of the rainforest. They stay within reach of their favorite prey, foolish lone travelers. <laughs> Despite their bright color, biloco are naturally natural predators, adapt at blending into their environment. Biloco often build small shelters for themselves in hollow trees near trails and drape them in moss and vines to disguise them. Biloco hide in these shelters and wait for suitable prey to pass, then whistle a strange, alluring melody that slowly infiltrates the prey's mind and persuades it to wander alone into the jungle. Biloco often have many such shelters and can build a new one in less than a day. Bilocos subsist entirely on human flesh, which is what makes them such a popular staple of fearsome fireside myths. It is also what drive them into such close proximity to human population. Because of their fey nature, biloco don't need to eat nearly as often as creatures of flesh and blood would, and can go weeks without feeding. The hunger slowly drives them mad, and in desperation, they sometimes resort to cannibalism, eating each other. The biloco often thought to guard the treasures of the forest, usually animals and the rarest fruits. Only brave hunters can hunt in these parts of the forest, and even they need magic charms. The Mongo believe that Biloko preventing charm has to be very strong, as the spirit for whom they are meant are not of this world. It is not enough to go to the forest just because you have some charm. (laughs) 
So the tail, uh, I have a, there's a little tail of it. Mm-hmm. One day a hunter took his wife and her insistence into the forest. Now, one day a hunter took his wife at her insistence into the forest where he had a hut with a palisade around it. When he went out to inspect his traps, he told her, When you hear a bell, do not move. If you do, you will die. Soon after he had left, she heard the charming sound of a little bell coming closer, for the Iloko has a good nose for feminine flesh. Finally, a gentle voice asked to be let into the room. It was like the voice of a child. The woman opened the door and there was an iloco sm- smelling like the forest, looking small and innocent. She offered him banana mash with fried fish, but he refused. We, own, we eat only human meat. I have not eaten for a long time. Give me a piece of your arm. At last, the woman consented totally under the spell of the Iloco. That night, the husband found her bones. I think the creepiest thing is that the Iloco can talk. Mm-hmm. If you here. look up Biloco, mm-hmm. there's a picture. Oh, okay, I'm going to do that right now while you continue. But that's it. Just like the letter B? Yeah. Or like B-E. It's B, B I no B I L O K O. B I L O K O. So my resources. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a gremlin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so resources superstitions by D R McElroy. Face to face Africa dot com. And I know the next website isn't. It's uh, from PathfinderWiki.com, mm-hmm. which is a very popular site. Uh, Dungeon and Dragons people go to. Yeah. But a lot of it was accurate. Yeah. To the be loco. Oh yeah, D and D likes to keep their shit yeah. accurate as fuck. Yeah. So that's why Pathfinder wiki.com is on here because they had the most about it. Nice. But I backed it up with with superstitions and face-to-faceafrica.com. Sounds good. Yes. Yes. So, so, don't go into the African forest. No. Stay out of the Republic of Congo. Just don't go there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is it for this spooky sode. Thank you for tuning in to listen to our spooky stuff. Tales. Tales, that's better. Or spooky tales. It's much better than spooky sode three when Nick talked about the terrible doctor. Oh, Dr. Spencer Black? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he was out there. Side note, if there's any episode, things in that episode of Nick, like, messing up words, yeah, I didn't re-listen to it. I couldn't. 
I got partway through <laughs> and I was like, nope, it's fine. It's staying like it is. Skips to the end after you're done with your sources and cut out anything I needed to. What, Maddie you was like, I didn't like Nick's segment. And I was like, me neither. I didn't even listen to it again. <laughs> yeah, I have the whole book on it. Yeah, no, I was like, that's enough. I don't want to hear about that poor dog. And all or that. little girl anymore. There's a lot more. Oh, that was I just know. paraphrasing. Yeah. If he couldn't tell because I was jumping. Mm -hmm. But I could have just sat here and read the whole book. Yeah. But I didn't. That would have been too long. Yeah. There would have been a part one and a part two. And like a part four and five and six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. It, it's a pretty big book. Yeah. It is decently <clears throat> huge. Um, Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe. Give us five stars. Our um, socials, if you go to our Instagram, is in the link tree our instagram is moon and sun podcast all one word all lowercase our facebook is moon and sign sun podcast coven if you don't know what the and sign looks like it is a guy wiping his butt on the floor <laughs> love that <sighs> our gmail is moon and sun podcast at gmail.com and we have a twitter now apparently we do it is moon and sun pod <laughs> I just like that. Moon is in pod. The M might be capitalized, she said. I think the M is capitalized. But anyways, you can just go to Even our you... link tree yeah. in, in on Instagram, right? Yep, they're all there. Yep, on Instagram, the link tree, it's all there. And also where to listen. Where to listen at. So that concludes oh. what? Okay, it is capital M moon and sign. Capital uh, S, son. Capital P. Oh, no. Just kidding. That was our actual name. Never mind. It's <laughs> it's Moon and Sun Pod, all lowercase, all one word. <laughs> okay. Moon and Sun Pod. Yeah. For Twitter. It was like your actual name. Oh. I did that with that. But yeah. <coughs> our at on Twitter is Moon and Sun Pod. Okay. But if you just go to our Instagram, in the Instagram, there's link tree that tells us tells you where all our socials are at. Yep, it's in our bio. You click on the link tree, and mm -hmm. it pops it up. All the socials. Green. And then at the very top of it is a little Facebook thingy. I, it does still have Instagram on it. Mm -hmm. So you're in the Instagram, but you can also so find go the Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> uh, and then it has email us. If you click on the email us button, it will automatically pop up your email app with our email in the to section. Mm -hmm. And then it has everywhere you can listen, which, because I have it open, is Apple Podcast. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Radio Public, Podcast, Breaker. Uh, I took one off of here. Why'd you take one off? Because uh, I couldn't fit everything on here. It wasn't letting me add other things, but then I figured out I could do those up there. Oh. But I don't remember what it is. Just letting you guys know, Feel Shay's like the one who's in charge of all this. Yeah. Because so like, she wanted to do it. Yeah. And I just figured I'd just help her out. Yeah. And plus, it also helps me learn yeah. stuff. Sure does. So don't come for me on anything. It's all Shay's doing. It's all my doing. I did it. Because if you listen to our recordings, it's like editing Shay here. Mm -hmm. Um. Hopefully, it'll have to be. So we decided together that we will re-record episodes one through seven. Because they're poor quality. Very poor quality. And we had a lot of listens. To episode one that didn't get repeat listens. Yeah, so. So we're going to re-record them. Um, and then after we re-record them and you hear the salt episode with good quality microphones, I will then work on getting a merch store up 
because there's a quote from that that we want on our (laughs) Yeah. I also plan on putting, and don't forget your coffee, Moon and Sun podcast Mm -hmm. on some merch. And I'm in the process of figuring out candles. Yes. Making candles. Yes. I've made one batch from a starter kit. Mm -hmm. They turned out great. That's good. They were just basic. Yeah. Basic ones. But then once Nick gets the hang of it, we can make anointed candles and deity candles and all kinds of fun stuff. We'll have our own. We will have a Moon and Sun podcast website by that point. Mm -hmm. So then you can find all the stuff from the website also. (laughs) Okay. That's it. Thank you for listening to this episode. We'll talk to you next time on Moon and Sun podcast. And don't forget your coffee. Don't don't start (laughs) casting me. Don't forget your coffee.